to deal with that. My timeline on Twitter continues to be filled up with national people and their podcasts and appearances and talking negatively on Matt Painter and Purdue when they haven't bothered to come down and watch a game in the last five years. It's frustrating. Anyway, we're going to talk with Sam here. Uh, I'm sure he's got a whole lot of great stuff to say. Uh, we'll try to get you some best bets for tonight. Did not hit last night, but we're going to do better tonight. Uh, NCAA tournament's back at it tonight. I know, you forgot it was going on, didn't you? Yeah, it is. Uh, we'll get you uh, some of those uh, lines and uh, maybe a pick or two, so hang around for that. Let's get started with the Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. All right, sources and everybody saying, basically, uh, Notre Dame's finalizing a deal with Micah Shrewsbury to be the school's next uh, men's basketball head coach. A seven-year contract. Have not seen financial compensation to it yet. Apparently, Penn State made a long-term offer to him. But the deciding factor is he wanted to come back to the state of Indiana, where he's done a lot of coaching. Done a lot of play. Cathedral grad, right? He's been at, uh, in some capacity here at Purdue, DePaul, Butler, IU South Bend, Hanover. Basically, he hasn't stopped at what? IUPUI, Evansville, or Indiana State or Vincennes. That's about it. Everywhere else he's basically hit up, it feels like. Congratulations to him. What does that mean for the future of Purdue and Notre Dame playing basketball against each other? Hey, maybe he comes back around. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but uh, I haven't seen it be official official, but everybody is basically reporting that this is going to happen. Don't know if the proverbial hay is in the bar on it just yet, but we'll see what happens. I mean, that'd be a great hire for them. And just look, you play out at Penn State. This is a good time for him to sell high. I think there, he's going to be losing a lot of a, a, a lot of key guys. That's not an overly easy place to recruit to. It's a football first school. Crowds don't go out there in the middle of the week because the major cities are, are too far away for you to make a 7 p.m. tip off time. Like I get it. Plus, you know, to come back home, it's, uh, uh, there's always that allure. Pretty Women's Basketball's Laisha Petrie is announced uh, this afternoon. She's going to declare for the WNBA. Uh, in a social media post, she thanked all of her coaches and fans, saying that, quote, my college career has come to an end. I'm excited to declare for the WNBA draft. Good luck, Laisha, man. Blackhawks looking to avoid a three-game losing streak tonight. They're going to head to D.C. to take on the Caps. As usual, a good-sized underdog, but don't sleep on them tonight. Caps have lost four of their last five. They're giving up goals, too. They've given up at least four goals per game in each of their last five. Purdue women's golf teeing off in Georgia tomorrow morning. Liz Murphy, it's uh, Purdue in a 15-team field that features five top 25 teams, three of them in the top 10. Men's swimming NCAA championships going on in Minnesota right now. One meter diving today. Uh, Jordan Rospeka, uh, I'm going to say that wrong. I'm terribly sorry. Um, is uh, he's, he's competing in the prelims with Sam Bennett. 
Jordan is pretty high up there right now. Um, but they're still cycling through, so it's kind of hard to tell exactly where. I can't do the math. There's just uh, two rounds left before I got down here. Uh, finals will be tonight. I would think that he's comfortably in. I did not. We didn't get to Sam just yet, so I couldn't tell you if he's got a good shot to get in or not. I just only had time for a quick look there. Uh, but both will also be competing in the three-meter uh, diving competition. That's tomorrow, same time with the prelims in the afternoon, finals in the evening. And then Jordan Saturday uh, will compete in platform diving. And that's basically what I got for you today. That is uh, today's Need to Know News for uh, this Thursday, uh, March the 23rd. Okay, let's get back after tonight again here. Um, did not hit last night with the avalanche bet that stunk. I felt bad. Look. Avs put up a lot of goals at home. Penguins were down four defensemen. That seemed like a pretty smart play. Doesn't pan out. Here's in, in class, This is a classic Jared fashion for this one, too, which I absolutely love. Is uh, Remember, I sat here and I said, uh, don't take that, uh, don't, don't, don't jump on those Edmonton uh, puck lines or anything, and that was a smart play. And I sat there and I told you about all those great uh, shots on goal, just off the top of my head. They all hit. I did put the, I, I did get in on a big lotto in that game. I hit like a plus seven thousand shot on goal parlay. I should have posted. I'm sorry. We're gonna do better tonight. Let's get into basketball tonight. Uh, Michigan State and Kansas State. This one, look, uh, Kansas State was plus two. They're down to plus one as of right now. The over-under is at 138-and-a-half. I I like Kansas State. I like the under tonight the most. I'm probably going to go ahead and parlay the two. See if I can't uh, hit myself something a little nice here tonight. Spartans have slowed it down in the postseason. Averaging just 70 points per game in two NCAA tournament games. Uh, they are struggling just 58 points against Ohio State in the Big Ten Tournament. They've cashed the under in three straight in the postseason. Michigan State went for 80 or more points in each of their final four regular season games while allowing 78 or more in three of the final five outings. That tells me that uh, Tom says we got to stop running up and down the court because we're not winning those games, and that's exactly what they've gone on to do here. Now, K-State's averaging 76 points per game in their two tournament games. Um, so they're staying right on par. A lot of these teams are shooting poorly. There's a lot of complaints. Mark Fuse out here yesterday complaining about the ball as well. Another thing to keep in mind here, too, is I was reading Gene Steratore. Think about him what you want. But he did make the remark that he felt that officiating crews tend to let more go on the second weekend than they do in the first weekend. And there's a little bit of data that backs that up for us. Because when you're letting that stuff go, what? The scoring goes down. You're not getting the and ones. You're not stopping the clock for foul shots in general. I'll tell you, since 2005, underdogs are 110-87-7 against the spread in the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8. They are the two most and only profitable rounds 
four underdogs since 2005. So I'm trying to ride some trends here. Now, again, a lot's been made. We told you first half unders, and those were great this year. But unders in general have been pretty darn good in the NCAA tournament. I could not find the official stat on that. But I know they've been good. That's A lot of that has to do people complaining about that ball. And we've talked about the poor three-point shooting from a lot of these higher-seeded teams that got upset week one. Madison Square Garden's another place that's going to lend itself to the unders. Since 2007, NCAA unders, 187, 135, and 6. That's hitting at a 57% rate at MSG. So you're making 11% return on investment. $100 a game, you'd be up $3,800 since 2007. Furthermore, it's been even more profitable lately. Unders are hitting at a 65% clip at the Garden since 20 uh, since 2019-2020 season and went 14 and 5 this season. That is almost 74%. A lot of good data there that leans in favor of the under tonight in Kansas State. So I'm going to trust the data and that's how I'm going to roll tonight. We're going to take a break here. Don't go anywhere. Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier is next. Stick around for him. We're coming right back on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 1017thehammer.com. Make sure you follow it on our new Twitter account. It's at The Hammer Sports. It's uh, simple. Give us a follow. The old one has, uh, it's it's gone. <laughs> I wish we had it back. Elon's no help, uh, but help us out here. Give us a, a follow there, all right? All right, let's go over to the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. We're going to bring on our good friend Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier. Uh, he is uh, back with us. There's always uh, so much to discuss with him. And, uh, Sam, glad to uh, have you on board here. I know you would rather be out at uh, in New York, Madison Square Garden here, uh, covering the Boilers, but uh, unfortunately it, it comes to an end on uh, Friday to uh, fairly Dickinson. Uh, We've we gone through a lot of that stuff already this week, but kind of in the aftermath of that game, uh, tell me what your experience uh, was like in the immediate aftermath, seeing the players. Just kind of walk me through what that uh, Friday night was like in Columbus from your perspective. Yeah, well, at, the way the NCAA tournament works is uh, they take selected players and Coach Painter to the podium and when that happens, you have a 30-minute window of being at the press conferences or going to the locker room. And I thought, you know, they, they transcribe these press conferences and send them to us. So it's far more valuable for me to go to the locker room and uh, talk to as many players as I can get to in 30 minutes. Um, everybody's seen the whiteboard now, but that was the thing that, that stood out as soon as you walked in there. That that was front and center with the whole up through it. And... uh I think that pretty much told the story of, of what you were going to experience. Um, the people who were in there, uh, which was every player except Fletcher Lawyer and Zach Eady, who had gone to the, the press conference, uh, was available. Some of them said some things, some didn't. Uh, you know, some of them it was hard to get things out of. Uh, the first guy I approached was Brandon Newman because uh, he's a guy that late in the season kind of got some run, and he's an older guy, and he put some perspective in, on it kind of uh, – 
you know, this happened and, uh, we've got to, we've got to suck it up. And, you know, they're fully aware that this is going to follow this team going into next season, which you kind of thought when you looked at the makeup of this roster, uh, next year was the year that you really thought was going to be what this season was. Uh, and I think these guys coming back now are just saying, Hey, this is motivation. Um, it's going to follow us. It's going to be something that's talked about all year next year is remember the Boilermakers won the big 10 championship when the, the big 10 tournament and bowed out to a 16 seed. So now it's uh how does this make you better? And, you know, obviously the mood wasn't great, but a lot of the guys did say, you know, when you, you prodded them, they, a lot of them didn't want to talk about next year. It was more about, man, we just let a, a 16 seed that really shouldn't even have been in the NCAA tournament beat us and, and kind of make us the laughing stock of, college basketball the good thing is the tournament moves on and now uh that storyline kind of fades as you start talking about the sweet 16 the elite eight this weekend but um man it's it definitely is an opportunity that you let slip away especially when that bracket was revealed and i said oh gosh you've got to go through duke kentucky marquette um just to get out of your region and all those teams get beat in the first weekend so now you're looking at it and saying man if purdue could have gotten past that first game it would have been, you know, what you would think is a good situation to maybe get to the Final Four. But, uh, alas, that did not happen, and uh, it's on the next year. What do you make of the shooting woes, uh, Sam? Because I, it wasn't just one guy. I, I thought maybe, you know, Fletcher had the, the, the leg issue. I know pregame some people had said that uh, Braden was dealing with uh, a, a finger issue on his uh, on his shooting hand. Uh, but, you know, it, Mason doesn't shoot that great from three in that one. Brand, I mean, they, they look scared at times to shoot the three uh, late in that game. Uh, how do you explain that, um, you know, being as close as you are to them? It, was there more going on? I mean, is it the ball? How does this team just kind of fall off a cliff shooting the basketball? Yeah, when this, well, this is not new. Uh, Purdue has struggled shooting basically the latter half of the season, and there was a, a point uh, during the year where I'd asked, Matt Painter about the the different balls because it wasn't just the NCAA tournament. It, depending which venue you're at, uh, that school selects the the ball and and Purdue's shot poorly um, at some places and it's not the ball that that the team is typically using. Um, and he kind of brushed it off as I expected he would. And, and everybody I've asked about it, um, minus maybe a couple guys, Brandon Newman is one who did say, yeah, it's it's a different feel when you have this ball that's almost like plastic. Um, that you're trying to shoot with at times. Um, but, you know, Matt Painter said it, good shooters can take a football and, and shoot it and, and make it. Um, the thing that kind of stands out about that whole thing is there was, I can't remember which game it was, but after one of the games, Matt Painter said the only way to, to do it is to, you know, when you've got a seven foot four guy and it uh, opens up a lot of open shots from the outside, um, you've got to stay process based and do what we're going to do. And he kept believing there's going to come a game where, you know, pretty goes out and hits 12, 15 threes and just lights the world on fire. But he said, if it doesn't happen and we lose in the NCAA tournament because of it, you know, so be it. And that kind of sticks out now because that's what happened. Uh, did not think it would happen in a, a one versus 16 game, but uh, that is what happened. And it's, you know, you can't really blame the defense. I, I know Fairleigh Dickinson hit some shots, but uh, the team scored, what, 60 something points you got to feel like that's a game Purdue should win if you hold a team to, to that low. Um, what I felt like Purdue was missing in this type of a game uh, specifically was somebody who could attack the basket and finish at the rim. 
Um, you know, you think back to the way this team was constructed, it was, it was done so with uh, the belief that Jaden Ivey would be on the roster this year. And then with the year he had last season and going to the NBA, uh, you're scrambling. You end up picking up David Jenkins, who was a, a big help, but he wasn't a guy that was going to get to the basket and, and be able to elevate over people and, and finish at the rim. Uh, next year you have a Miles Colvin coming in, who's that type of player. But this team didn't have that. And, and God love Braden Smith. He's, he's six foot tall, which is probably being generous, but that's what he's listed at. And he's not going to go to the basket and, and elevate over you and finish. If he gets to the basket, he's going to try to be crafty and, uh, you know, kind of use some angles and, and get a shot up. But, uh, it didn't work against that team because although they, uh, fairly Dickinson lacked some height, uh, some, athletic, longer guys that uh, the speed and, and the length kind of caused some problems. Talking with Sam King of the Journal and Courier here on the Hammerhead Hotline. I am, uh, I'm not one of those people that are emailing you uh, yelling about this team, Sam, and yelling about firing Matt Painter. I, I think that's foolish of people that want to do that. But I also, you know, don't think that he is free from criticism uh, in this loss, he, he deserves some of it. That's for sure, especially with the lack of touches. I think that Zach gets down the stretch. Um, I, I mean, what, what's a fair amount of criticism, uh, for, for Matt Payne in this one? Cause certainly, you know, he's, he, he's worked this to where they can get the shots on the outside, but he can't shoot the basketball for this team either. Uh, I, what's the right balance here on, on, on criticism for him and, and what needs to change going forward? Yeah, um, and this question was actually posed to me. Um, he certainly deserves some criticism. Um, when you do this, this is three years in a row now. This is not a new thing. And I think that's the, the frustration boiling over in the media aftermath. But um, this team wasn't supposed to be 29-6. and six. This team wasn't supposed to compete, let alone run away with a Big Ten championship. Uh, and it did. And I think that going back to that trip to Portland early in the season where you beat West Virginia, you beat uh, – you beat Duke and you beat Gonzaga in basically four days, uh, people's expectations changed. And um, I don't know if they ever should have. That was a, you know, probably as well as Purdue played all season long uh, during that stretch. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things that you think of. Um, somebody said, would they have been better off taking Zach Eady out of the game? And I understand, like, how do you take the national player of the year off the floor? But maybe it was a situation where a, a Caleb first is a better uh, fit for, you know, matching up what was on the floor. Uh, Purdue just couldn't get the ball inside. When it tried, it was a turnover. Uh, they had two guys behind him, one guy basically sitting on his lap. And if he was able to catch the ball, it was just another guy coming in and, and basically hacking him before he could get a shot up. So, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of you could do in terms of trying to get the ball to him. Um, maybe you try to lob it in and, and let him go up and get it. But um, I don't know. It feels like you had wide open shots and somebody's got to step up and hit them. Um, you're a, a division one basketball player. You've got to be able to hit shots. And, uh, I still never, even until the final minute, wanted to believe that, that Purdue was going to lose that game. Um, but you know, when Mason Gillis is a good look and, and he airballs it, it's kind of telling. And, um, then you're just kind of up against it. People are frustrated about the, the final play, which was, uh, Fletcher lawyer basically trying to double pump and uh, through a double team in the corner, that wasn't the play that was drawn up, but because Purdue was about to get a five-second call, uh, that was what it had to do. Um, Fletcher had to, to flash the, the inbounder, who I believe was Ethan Morton, and just get the ball to avoid a turnover there, and then he got stuck in the corner and um, really nowhere to go with it. But I think the play design there was either to get it to Edie for a quick two 
where you'll still have 10 seconds. You kind of extend the game and hope that Barely Dickinson misses some free throws or it was to get it to a lawyer and let him um, probably try to get a mid-range shot or an open three if he can. But, um, you know, it got busted up. It was a broken play and uh, kind of sums up the whole the whole day for Purdue. Uh, Sam, you said something interesting to me before we went on the air. You were out in Columbus. You, uh, you, you had a meal with uh, our old friend uh, Nathan Baird, who's right here locally at the JNC, covers uh, – um, Ohio State, and, and he, you told me he made that remark about how much more hectic it is to cover Ohio State football because you go out to practice, there's 50-some-odd reporters. You come out here to Purdue basketball, and, and you said, well, there's probably maybe like four or five people there um, you, you know, consistently every week. Yet I, I hear a lot of national heads that just have all this stuff, to, the, all this talk about Matt Painter and, and this Purdue team and how they knew this was going to happen. I just got a question because you're one of those people that's always there, and they're not. Uh, do they ever call? Do you get calls from national people? They ask you what's going on here daily, or do, is it just they just make stuff up? It seems like. Well, I think that uh, they have their jobs, and uh, I'm not going to say that all of them are experts because I, I feel like a lot of those people probably see Purdue a handful of times if it's a big national game that's you know in prime time or probably during the Big Ten tournaments. Um, you know, the lasting impression was the Big Ten championship game uh, against Penn State where Purdue made some mistakes late and, and let that team back in the game. So um, I think there's a lot less of, uh, you know, reference points that they're going off of. But uh, it does stay true that, you know, Purdue did have some struggles this year. Now, some of the struggles it had, such as breaking a press, I didn't think was a problem against Fairleigh Dickinson. The, the number one problem against Fairleigh Dickinson was Purdue didn't make shots and, uh, you know, they had a quite the quick uh, guard in number two and just couldn't stop him from kind of getting where he wanted to on the floor. So uh, I think you rectify that a little bit next year when, you know, I referenced Miles Colvin, if he's not redshirting, which I don't know if he will be or not, but I wouldn't expect him to be uh, based on, you know, the highlights I've seen of him and what he's able to do. And then you get Cam Heidi, who's another guy, uh, redshirted this year, but man, he's a he's a highlight reel. If you ever go to pregame warmups and watch him put on a dunk show, um, it's fun to watch. Um, I think those are the kind of guys that you probably need to match up with a team like a Fairleigh Dickinson, like a St. Peter's last year uh, that maybe was missing this season. Who who's going to be the better dunker next year? Is it going to be Colvin or is it going to be Cam Heidi? I'm going to want to try to sneak into some practices when they're trying to find out. That's for sure because. Uh, <laughs> He put, I mean, uh, Rosie put up his like highlight reel uh, from the season, and I'm just like, my jaw hits the floor. I'm like, this this kid, uh, he looks absolutely unreal. I'm, I'm excited to get him here. Um, before we let you go, Sam, let's talk a little bit about football because I know you've been out to uh, at least to practice here. Um, they just got started on Tuesday, um, and I know you're going to be back out there again today, but what's been your early impressions so far uh, with uh, Purdue football? Well, the way it's constructed was we get the first half hour of practice to to watch and a lot of times that's very basic drills but um the guys who were available afterwards jacob Wahlberg, cam allen and devin mockaby they were all singing the praises of and it was only one practice in but man the way this this uh coaching staff runs things uh the way they get after us the way that we relate to them um kind of the schemes they're putting in place it's you know and i know that they haven't lost the game yet so everything of course is great right now but uh it's a good vibe, especially for the first day of spring. Everybody just feels like, man, you know, we had this good year last year, but I think we can build off of that and, and be better next season. So that's what you want to hear. 
Um, there's, there's clearly some spots where once spring is over, I know that uh, Ryan Walters is going to have to go in that transfer portal and try to patch some holes once he finds out what he has, what he needs. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of optimism right now about what this team can be in the fall. That's I talked about it yesterday. It's that, uh, you, you know, you don't even know where to set the bar at yet because you don't know any better. Um, and so that means, like, the, the, the limits, the, there's no limits here on, on what this team could do. And, and that kind of proposition uh, is always exciting as a fan. And, uh, Sam, I agree with everything you said about that uh, staff. This, you know, they just seem to bring a new and a different vibe that uh, – is uh, playing well with those kids, and uh, I'm excited for it. I'm calling my shot, by the way. This is Nick Carraway season. Are you ready for It's the Nick Carraway mega breakout season. Are you ready? I, I would uh, be on board with that. And I'll tell you what, this was just a different vibe the second we got there. Uh, Sam Carter, who's one of the assistant coaches, comes over on the sideline and is high-fiving all the media members and said, hey, media, let's go. Let's get fired up. It's, it's football season. And you would have never had that with the previous staff, and I'm not saying that Coach Brom and his staff, you know, was, was bad. Obviously, they had some success, but uh, it's just a v- different feel around the program. See, I felt like that would be a Bob Diaco move, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Sam King, the Journal and Courier, he won't say. I'll say it though. That's all right. Uh, again, make sure you get in your subscriptions. He does a great job covering uh, everything locally from Purdue to, you know, we we got high school ba- high school baseball and softball going on right now, right? Didn't we? We've had like the first week of stuff, haven't we? Yeah, softball is playing some games, and baseball teams, uh, high school-wise, they did some scrimmages on Tuesday, so that's uh, getting going uh, as long as the rain will hold off, which uh, has been a problem so far. Last I, last thing I promise here, because I just forgot about this because we talked about it the other day, but uh, the proposal from the IHCA, I don't know if you saw this about uh, with those uh, other sports outside of football, they were thinking about maybe like a fifth class, now just kind of uh, adjusting the four-class system and the enrollment rates and keeping those fixed. Did you happen to have a chance to uh, look at that? If you have, have you talked to anybody? What are the thoughts on that for this locally? I have not been out to talk to anybody about that, but uh, I think the IHSA, you know, it's a – I don't want to say it's broken, but there, it wasn't the right way to go about, you know, some of the things that they've done. And I think that maybe this is a better approach or at least let's, let's try this and see how it works. Um, it's, uh, you know, I don't know, think there's a perfect way to do it. And that's probably where the problem comes. And when you get into sectionals, regionals, things like that, geography becomes a big issue with some of these uh, classes because you get teams traveling an hour and a half for a sectional game on a Tuesday night. Um, but that's, that's part of it. Um, I don't know, you know, but what the best solution is, I would assume that they got a lot of people smarter than me together to try to, to figure this thing out, though. Sam King, again, best there is, man. I'll tell you what, we're real lucky to have him here locally. And uh, stop emailing him, yelling at him, because you got, you got emails, people blaming you for this, right? Didn't you tell me something well, like that? Did somebody blame you for the uh, Boilermaker loss? It's all your fault? That was a, a wild. I think that was after uh, the game in Bloomington. But, um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there is a Sam King on the team. Technically, you're not him, though. No, I am not. Uh, I have the same number of points as him. Unfortunately, he never <laughs> scored a basket. But you know that day will come. He's a walk on, and um, you know I'm sure he he had some value in that regard. But no, that is not me, and I have no control over whether or not uh, Matt Painter is uh, still employed next season. Well, Sam, hey, you know, we appreciate your time here. Uh, enjoy. I know it's going to slow down just a bit for you here for just a minute. So I uh, hope you catch a breath, man, and uh, be able to relax a little bit. Always great having you on, buddy. We'll talk again soon, all right? 
Sounds good. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Sam. Let's take a break. We'll come back uh, with portal season back. The NIL fields are back, and uh, I'm already seeing it on Twitter. Let's talk about it. It's coming up next. It's the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. Again, make sure you're following our brand new Twitter account. we got to build it back up. It's at the Hammer Sports. Uh, that's where you can hear and uh, see all the uh, stuff that we talk about here on the show. Uh, you can also get the shows there as well. We keep you up to date with the local sports. Uh, it's a great follow. At the Hammer Sports. We appreciate that. All right. With the transfer portal back, the feels are back about NIL. Now, we're already starting to see a, a plethora of players who are announcing that they're going to come back and they're also hitting the portal. And that is usually, that's the, uh, that's the code for coming by me. Not everybody. But some of the bigger name players, I think it is. Uh, Jameer Young apparently was a little bit more open about it. You know, there's a business side to it. I get it. Uh, but I, I did get engaged in a conversation on Twitter with uh, Craig, who was over there, brags on the stands last night, because he had uh, not in, not any ill intent or anything, but I, I do like discussing the NIL stuff. And he, and he wonders, why are Purdue fans so negative towards NIL? I'm glad college athletes rightfully have a chance to make money off their name, uh, like every other regular college student. That's the way it is now, so buy in. Here's here's why I believe that Purdue fans are a little bit slow to get on board with that. First off, there and we talked about this last year before we got it all started and the collective was getting fired up, that there were just going to be people who don't believe you know, it should be just like the old days where these kids should not be making money. And the problem with that was when you start throwing in six digits, That's when people's feelings start getting hurt. Like I'm sure there's plenty of people that graduated college with a uh, you know with a degree, maybe from Purdue University, not making that type of money and sitting here and wondering out loud why is a 18 year old kid all of a sudden worth more of that money when I went four years, uh, I maybe provide a great public service or, or work at a great company and and you can't close that kind of money. I can understand that jealousy a little bit, not being on board. Maybe it was the amount of money that was the problem. And there's some of the old heads that, you know, hey, I went through and I did it like this. Why should they? You know, there, there's that as well. Like, I never understood that argument when they wanted to to pay down people's uh, tuitions. Well, nobody ever helped me pay my college tuition down. Why should they, you know, have their... Did it stink for you? Yes. Okay, well, it also stinks for them. You want it to stink for them just because it stunk for you? It seems like a lousy reason behind it, but I'm not going to get in the politics of that. That's not my argument here. Now, the argument is you should be able to make money off your name image like just, just like anybody else. If you... You know, if you want to go down to Bruno's and Orlando wants to, you know, give you a, a free pie after you won on Saturday, you should be allowed to do that. If an alumni wants to come on by and, and shove a, a C note in, in your pocket for having a great game or whatever, 
should be allowed to do that too. We'll see the problem in that, really. If the local car dealer wants you to come out and shoot an ad, they want to pay you for it, should be allowed to do it. Give you a, a lease for it, should be allowed to do that, sure. Any other student can be can do that kind of stuff. Now, it's a lot harder for them to do it because they don't play sports. They have the ability to go out there. They don't have their money scrutinized. It's even worse if you're an international student because you can't make that money. But where the Purdue fan has a problem, really has the problem here, is that they don't want to get on board necessarily because they don't feel like that is a battlefield that they will win on. They just don't. I mean, to think about it, we don't really have a whole lot of details on what the alliance brings in, what they distribute, per se. There's not a lot of success stories out there. I don't know if they necessarily want to put that stuff out there. I was rumored amounts. I won't get into that. But deep down inside, just like you're waiting for that other shoe to drop in March... Clearly, you're afraid in some aspects to have a great player who could come back for one more year on your team, but it might be not as good. And somebody might be calling with the bag. And then they bounce for the money. You saw what happened with Nigel Pack. You had him. He said as much. Mr. Lifewallet came in, $800,000 and the car. Boom. And you and you lost. Because the Purdue fan thinks that if all things are equal, you can go out there and get Purdue guys, the guys that you need, the top guys that you want. But because you add in an element that you can't control and that you don't think you're dominant in, You don't want to get involved with that. I mean, that's really, that's where I think it comes from. If I say Alabama, you already think to yourself, hey, they, they want to go out there and buy somebody. There's, there's people around there. They'll get the money and they'll go buy somebody. You have that confidence in the SEC, don't you? But you don't think that way about Purdue. Now, maybe the alliance has that kind of money to be able to go out there and do that. Maybe they will get to that point. Maybe the market will shift and we won't be talking about such high dollar deals and, you know, it'll be a little bit more of a level playing field. But until that day comes, I think Purdue fans would just be reluctant to really embrace the NIL stuff from that aspect. I don't think the average Purdue fan has any problem. When these guys get a free apartment because they are, you know, sponsored by this real estate company. That, that aspect of it's when it's the recruit, it's when it's the recruitment tool that it's not supposed to be, that it clearly is in a lot of these places. It's been for years before NIL was, you know, legal stuff. The duffel bag's full of cash. We, we didn't get to play in that uh, on that playground to begin with. 
Like, that's really, if there's any kind of resentment of the NIL, I don't think it's players. I certainly don't. That's the system that is set up. I'm not going to hate the player. I'm going to hate the game. 19 years old, and I get here, and they say, hey, guess what? A large check for you here. I say, yeah, sure, okay. Now I'm between a couple of schools, and one decides to pony up a fancy car and six figures? Okay. That makes the decision a little bit easier. But that's the situation that Purdue fans are ultimately worried about because they don't think they're going to come out on top in that game. They have it in the past. And there's not a ton of evidence out there that's going to suggest that you are in the future. Now, what does that mean for losing anybody this year? I don't know. I, I just don't. It's probably a little too early to tell on that. But I thought that was, a, you know, it was an interesting question, that, and that was my thought on it. I, I just don't think that Purdue fans think that they can win in that. And somebody pointed out to me, oh, there's plenty of you know, Purdue alums with the money, CEOs of companies and stuff. You got to get them to donate. You got to get the average fan to donate into this stuff. And, and they have to replenish this every year. On top of doing things like you know, John Purdue Club. It's not easy. It's, it's not a bottomless pit. You know, and, and my thoughts on you know, what collectives are aside... It's, you know, you've heard me, we've had Brian Newbert on. It's not sustainable at the rate that it is for just about everybody in the country. It's just not. But, yeah, your history as a Purdue fan tells you that outspending somebody for someone or anything has never been Purdue's forte. That's why they're slow to it. All right, we're going to take our final break. Come back. We will wrap up the Hammer Down Show next on 104. Hey, welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. A Thursday night. Excited for the uh, NCAA tournament to pick back up. Things we might have missed. Um, maybe you got to fade UConn. So they're out in the, uh, in the Sweet 16. They had to switch hotels. They're out in Vegas. So apparently they have poor hotel conditions in Vegas. Sources say that uh, the UConn men's basketball team, uh, when they arrived on Tuesday, several of their rooms were in awful condition. Trashed. Dirt. Vomit. And worse. I don't want to know the details. It is Vegas. It is bad. The NCAA is in charge of booking hotels for each team. All right. So this isn't on UConn. And they were moved to a quote, high level hotel. Where did the NCAA book them? Those cheapos put them in the Luxor. What do you think was going to happen? That place is legit old. You might as well put them in the Rio. How cheap are you going to be? Put them in some place nicer. They're in the Sweet 16. That's a basketball team, too. I mean, like, the players bunk up, right? Two in a room? How many rooms do you really need? Oh, being so cheap. I mean, come on. We've all uh, we've all been to Vegas, right? Or most of us have been to Vegas. We know. But at the same time, 
I mean, we could have done something a little. We could have made sure these rooms are nice for him and everything, too. Like, how in the world? You figured the NCAA would have, like, a whole hospitality thing that would have this all taken care of. But at least they remedied it really quickly. I will give them that. But any kind of disruption to the schedule, it puts my little antennas up here. I'm not saying I'm fading UConn. I'm just saying it's on the radar now. That's going to do it for us here on the uh, Hammer Down Show. I want to thank Sam King for being on, as always. That's such a great job, man. We'll repost the show. Find us on Facebook, our new Twitter account. We are at The Hammer Sports. Give the new account a follow. That's at The Hammer Sports. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. We're also on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Audible, all that great stuff. So give us a follow, and uh, we post up the episodes daily so you don't miss anything. All right, we're back again tomorrow at 3 o'clock Friday. Uh, we'll take a look at the uh, weekend. It'll be a, a busy one with the NCAA tournament and uh, Purdue football back at it again. More media out there. Uh, I believe Sam says they get to talk to Hudson Card today. So uh, we'll see what he has to say and more. It'll be a fun Friday here, 3 o'clock on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 Hammer, 1017thehammer.com.